In this episode, Kiryu fights an entire army while Date gets winded, walking up some stairs. Jacket tossing makes a comeback. And Kamurocho experiences some interesting precipitation. Thank you for coming back from our replay reviews. My name is Leah. And my name is Kathy. We are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes, almost like I'm discovering them again for the first time. We hope it will be a similar experience for you. It's going to be a long night. It's 10 o'clock right now. <laughs> and I know we're going to do an hour and a half recording or two hours if history proves right. Yeah, I thought we were making good time, and then we had a had a Windows update incident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, should we start? Yeah, let's, let's definitely start. I guess we just have to start with scene one. To summarize it, Kiryu fights his way into the Millennium Tower. So he follows Cosmo's instructions and heads to Aris, but Hinaharka are stopped by an army sent by Nishiki, and it sounds like they intend to kill him. That's where I don't know if Nishiki's just acting out on emotion or if he really does have the intention to really have them dead. We know he's a bit hot-headed and makes rash decisions. So I don't know if I really trust that he wants them dead dead or if he's just saying, like, just kill them. Or if people are misinterpreting him thinking that they want him dead for reals. I want to agree with you, except this is the second time now that he mm. sent people to kill him. That's true. So I don't know. I okay. Slap aside. I <laughs> I still am a fan of Nishiki, and I say this as I watch this, and we're talking about this chronologically. So at this moment of the game, I still have a lot of faith for Nishiki for righting his wrongs, or maybe he's misunderstood. You have hope, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's not in the <laughs> right frame of mind, though. I think we can agree with that. But it sounds like he is placing this order to kill Kiryu because basically Kiryu is the last thing standing in his way of becoming the fourth chairman. I have a question. and It's kind of a loaded one. And if you want to answer it later, just let me know. But here's what I wrote. I wrote that Nishiki has come a long way, but what has it cost him? Everything. When we think about what has it cost him, what has he gained from this? That's the other thing. Just maybe some respect and power. But what has he lost? He lost his respect from his friends. He's lost his sister. He's lost the only woman who's ever loved him. And mm -hmm. that's not something you can buy with money or with fear. He's lost yeah. decades of work into every relationship up until the point when he killed Dojima. His sister's death that really put him over the edge. But it really started from the moment he killed Dojima that it all went downhill from him. And that brings back our age-old question. Was it Nishiki killing him? Or was it Kiryu refusing to let him take the fall? I think we should hold on to that question and come back to this. Okay, so after the brawl, we change locations and we see Date in a dark room doing some research on a computer. He sees a newspaper article from January 20th, 1977 that says... Anti-government student activist? Question mark. Last protest leader arrested, Masaru Sara. He also uncovers a photo of Sarah and Jingu together. 
So were they partners in crime, so to speak, way back in college? Is that how their relationship started? I think so. I It almost seems like, in a way, Jingu probably held bail Sarah out because he has deep pockets. I'm curious, was this when he was already in politics or he wasn't? And was Sarah already involved in Yakuza business or not? Because I would think that as a like a politician, you probably want to stray away from Yakuza because it's just bad reputation. But at the flip side, I'm also thinking that maybe Jingu either wants to help Sarah or he already or he pushes Sarah into the Yakuza business because he needs someone to do his dirty business for him. Yeah, my interpretation is they were both part of this student activist group and that's how they became friends or whatever. And then yeah, from there, Jingu went into the politics side, Sarah went into the Yakuza organized crime side. And we'll have a comment later that sort of backs up what we've been talking mm-hmm. about, but does that kind of explain a little bit more about why Sarah initially accepted the hit that Jingu ordered on Haruka and Yumi? Yeah, it's almost like Sarah owed him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have a hard time believing that Sarah could be anyone's right-hand man and not his own man. I agree. That is a little odd. But uh, <laughs> Sudo comes barging in, yelling, who's in here with a flashlight? I don't know why he didn't just turn on the lights. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that ends scene one. Anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Nope. All right. We are now on our way to the Millennium Tower. Uh, Unfortunately, Kiryu is greeted by a lot of MIA agents. After fighting through a ton of them, we then see Date and Sudo again. They're running up some stairs. They both now know the truth about Jingu and the 10 billion, but they feel there's still a missing piece, which is what is Jingu's plan for the money? My first question is, how do we feel about Sudo now? I feel like he's proven his loyalty in solving business and not necessarily trying to one-up someone. Because otherwise, if he was trying to pull a fast one over Date's head, then he probably wouldn't have shared all this information with Date. And the question still remains for me, because I feel like Sudo is being given orders to, like... Find Haruka, push Date out. But do you think he was ever crooked or was he just getting orders from crooked people? I have a hard time even thinking that they're crooked. I feel like it's just like one of those cases where the police try to step in and they're using like the wrong, they're going about it the wrong way. So I feel like maybe the intention is good, the way to do it is bad, and Sudo's just caught in one of those positions where. He knows good and bad, but he has no choice if he wants promotion. I think the question we need answered is, who are those two guys that Mm. pop out of that side room? Yeah. Because without that information, we don't know if this is just Mm -hmm. standard police work or if someone's pulling some strings that shouldn't be pulled. Mm Mm-hmm. At that end, when they're looking at the helicopter, Sudo's just leaning against the wall, and he's still very, very close to Date. They're, like, standing a foot (laughs) apart. And just the way he looks at Date. (laughs) Tower over me again, Date. (laughs) (laughs) Except this time he's leaning away and just posing. (laughs) (laughs) So after Kiryu defeats the MIA, he and Haruka make it up to Aris. 
where we see a knife-wielding Yumi carrying a briefcase. The three meet up and have a sweet reunion, but it is quickly over when Jingu arrives. Freaking Jingu, here he comes, ruining everything. <laughs> he just wants his ten billion, and to tie up some loose ends, which uh, is double homicide. So during the reunion, though, after hugging Haruka very much so she should, that's her daughter, it's a very sweet moment. But then you also have Yumi hugging Kirio like they're long-lost lovers, which makes me question who Haruka's father really is. I know the timeline, it wouldn't make sense and everything because he would have been in jail. But still, like the way she hugs him, we had to go back to see where <laughs> Kirio was putting his arm. I wasn't sure where that hand was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It almost think it rivals the intimacy that we see between Sudo and Date. It's like, are they, aren't they? <laughs> Unrequited love. <laughs> yes. But we also see Yumi with a whole new appearance and everything. Yeah, we know Sarah and Kazama helped her. But also, we see Yumi now with the tat. It's a real tat. The tip tat. <laughs> yes also I can't freaking believe they're making Haruka suffer as if this child hasn't suffered enough Haruka knows about her dad's history of wanting to kill her and yet she still has to face him again who's about to kill her tries to kill her takes yes. a shot yeah I think Kiryu learned something from Majima though because he jumps in front of the bullet thankfully it only grazes his shoulder Ironically, Kiryu is more like a father figure to Haruka at this moment than her actual biological dad, who tried to kill her not once but twice. Called her baggage. Yeah, yeah, to her face. Everything this guy is saying is so bad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really bad. Well, then Tarada shows up with a couple of grunts, evening the odds a little bit against Jingu's army. Until Jingu gives an order and Tarada's grunts detain him. So it turns out Jingu is using the 10 billion to pay the Omi for a partnership. And he's betraying the Tojo clan at this point. The confidence this man has to think that he can be handing out money and paying these people when he doesn't even have the actual cash with him. I mean, it takes guts. But also he mentions his political ties are too hard to refuse. And his ultimate plan is to use the Omi to take down the Tojo clan and control politics and organized crime. So, okay. I know we have varying opinions about Kazuma. But mm -hmm. I, I just have a question to ask you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because uh, we know that Tarada was helping out Kazuma because he owed him or whatever. And that's mm -hmm. how he got involved in this whole thing. Look at him now, Kathy. <laughs> He's been outed from the Omi alliance. <laughs> He's being held at gunpoint by his own men. I mean, is this what loyalty to Kazuma ultimately gets you? How many times have we seen it go right? That's my question. We've only seen two games. And so, but I don't know. I agree with you that we haven't seen it go right all the time so far. Yeah, I don't think he necessarily intends to put people in bad situations, but I don't mm -hmm. think that he minds the possibility of it. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that he's overconfident. I think he needs a Tachibana. I don't think he can keep doing what he did in Y0 without a Tachibana. And mm -hmm. let's be honest, there's no one else out there like Tachibana. 
Tachibana was literally the equal of Kazama in terms of ability and skill, competency, power, influence, and everything. Yep. And he just, he just let him let him die. <laughs> let him if take only the he fall. had better kidneys. <laughs> God. If only he didn't get <laughs> kidnapped, tortured, and sledgehammered to the head. <laughs> Kiri then questions Jingu about Nishiki, and Jingu says he told him about the ten billion t- and and the will, I think, to manipulate him and cause rifts in the Tojo. I think that kind of pisses Kiryu off because you think that helped lead Nishiki farther down this this path. It definitely did. It it was just it might not have been the straw that broke the camel's back, but it definitely added to the weight. So, in talking about the ten billion, talking about Nishiki, so it is confirmed that Nishiki killed Sarah because I'm still in a bit of denial that thinking Sarah is actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's safe to assume if you can believe Jingu. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if Nishiki shot at Kazuma, I don't think he'd have any problem assassinating Sarah. That's true. It wasn't really even about Nishiki killing Sarah. It was more of Sarah knew it was coming, and I refused to believe he let it happen to him. Yeah. Maybe he yeah. just knew that it was the end of the line for him. The other one I was going to talk about was also he, Jingu, had a sentence where he's saying that Kiryu is the reason for the brink of Tojo Clan's collapse. I'm questioning whether you think it really is Kiryu is the reason or if he was just the final straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I get a little confused by that line because Mm -hmm. what is he referencing? The biggest thing he's done is, in quotes, killed Dojima. Mm-hmm. That caused a rift. But then he's been in prison for 10 years. And then this stuff started when Nishiki added the missing 10 billion and all that stuff. And when Kiryu gets released. I mean, what is he's just looking for Yumi. He didn't even step his toes in the Tojo clan, really. He had Shinji working for him, but Shinji was ultimately working for Kazuma. Based on Jingo's personality type, I think he just wants someone to blame it on. And... He also seems like someone who's more emotionally manipulative. And so Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the other reasons how he got to Nishiki was saying it's your fault or it's his fault and really playing to their emotions. I'd agree with that. Unless we're completely missing something. I don't see how how Kiryu is responsible for all of this because he Mm -hmm. certainly didn't steal the 10 billion. (laughs) Yeah. He certainly wasn't uh, involved in Jingu laundering it through, through the Yakuza. Yeah. And he didn't kill Sarah. No. So I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> someone yeah. tell us, did we miss something? On the flip side, then you have someone who's awesome, like Yumi, who has a backup plan. And maybe it's because she knows Jinku enough to know that she can die at any time. She's awesome at saying that you kill me and everything's gone. She played the long game. Like Shimano claims to play. Uh, didn't work for him. But yeah, this is a move that you can't really get around because... She knows him well enough to know what he wants and that he's not going to leave without it. Mm-hmm. And that's a weakness for him, honestly, because it helps mm-hmm. her know how to control him, how to manipulate him. But yeah, she says if the bomb goes off, it will destroy the 10 billion and then says that I won't let you have this money. So here's mm-hmm. my question. According to Cosima, he and Sarah were going to steal the money to out the money laundering. And Yumi volunteered to help. 
Is this just to get back at him? Like, I'm wondering why is she involving herself? Because is that not what ultimately puts her and Haruka back on Jingu's radar? I think maybe she just knows that even though Sarah and Kazuma are smart enough to get the money, their lack of knowledge and experience and time around Jingu is going to affect mm-hmm. their ability to really get to him. And Yumi's probably the only person who knows him enough to know how to truly not only just grate on his nerves, but also to <laughs> go and play defense and offense at the same time. That's fair. I guess I would be pretty mad if someone tried to kill me, so. Mm-hmm. And my daughter. <laughs> right. Um. Okay, but honestly, though, this guy's laugh. I cannot handle this guy's laugh. It's weird. I mean, his mouth doesn't even move. <laughs> it's a it's a bit much. Um, so Yumi's move allows her and Haruka to, to safely retreat inside. Well, Kiryu presents Sarah's will. And this is when we see a flashback to when it was created. Sarah left the name of the fourth chairman off of the will and decided that it'll be up to Kazuma. Who do you think he chose? Big surprise. <laughs> uh, definitely not surprise. But I do want to get, again, huge Sarah fan here. What's really awesome about Sarah is that he knows that he's weak in certain areas and he's not afraid to admit it. I just, mm-hmm. again, cannot compliment this man enough. I agree. And I think it goes back to the conversation we were just having of we think he knew his time was up. And I think this is proof of him knowing, like, I might not get through this whole thing alive. So I'm entrusting this to you. After Kiryu reveals that he is the next chairman, the fight breaks out, but it's interrupted when Date and Sudo show up in a helicopter, announcing a warrant for Jingu's arrest. To which Jingu responds, you have no proof, but then his his agents start shooting the helicopter. And I feel like right there, if you didn't have a warrant before, you certainly have one now. <laughs> I think them flying in is one of the useless scenes in this finale <laughs> because you go in without guns without any backup did you really expect you were like oh you got me now haha ha, let me put my guns down like we know that wasn't yeah. gonna happen so why would you just go in without any guns or, or support or anything i question it as well and this won't be the first time that we see date in a, in a helicopter being useless yeah. after they get shot at like like who would have guessed they have to leave because if they crash, they're going to kill a bunch of people in the city, so they leave. Okay, great wow. little cameo from those two. <laughs> right? Are we ready for the final scene? Mm-hmm. After defeating Jingu, Kiryu returns inside to Haruka and Yumi. And the bomb. But then enters Nishiki. Things get a little complicated. He still wants to be the chairman. Is it because, like, why does he want this so bad? Is it because he has nothing else to, to look forward to? I think deep down it's not about competition with Kiryu. I think it's the only way to stay connected with Kiryu. And also, I'm curious if he even knows if Kazama's dead. I'm going to say most likely he does just because he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of men in his family. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of reach. He knew where Kiryu was. Well, that was Reina, I guess. But I think he, he has his, his information channels. But that's a good point, because Nishiki says that because of his unthinkable betrayal of Kiryu and Kazuma, 
He can't trust anybody anymore. And therefore, he never trusted Jingu. And he knew he'd probably betray him all along. What do you think is going on with me? Like, I don't even know what to ask you. Like, what are you thinking right now? I feel like deep down, and maybe I'm trying to see things that aren't there, I almost feel like Nishiki wants to be like this to feel something because he's just so numb from everything going. He's lost everything. And even without this position, if he loses this position, then he literally has nothing and he's already not feeling much. Mm -hmm. So I think staying angry and staying greedy is the only way he feels things. Even the start of all of this, I think it might have even been him trying to ask for help. I mean, I don't want to compare him to a child, (laughs) because that's kind of condescending. But you know when a kid wants help or attention, they sort of act out? Well, the thing is that he just has never learned how to ask for things. His level of support is different than Mm -hmm. Kiryu, because his support is all within the realm of the Yakuza. And let's be honest, they're not going to be the best type of people to show you how to express your emotions freely. He's kind of going the only route that he knows how to, which is being in the Yakuza. It's hard for Nishiki, not trying to defend him, but just trying to understand him right. that maybe he does this is because he wants to be closer to Kiryu, like he wants to be Kiryu. He's not jealous of him. He wants to be him. And he wants to be loved. And maybe he's hoping that by being powerful enough, he'll earn a similar respect and love from the people around him. Yeah, I wouldn't even necessarily say it's it's jealousy in every aspect. Maybe when it comes to Yumi it is. But I think it's sort of like, why is Kiryu getting all this attention? I can do it too. And so he does it, arguably better within the Yakuza lifestyle. And he still doesn't really get the same respect that Kiryu gets and that my biggest question though is and maybe they try to answer it from when Nishiki says that people always flock to Kiryu maybe that's all it is but my question is what has Kiryu done (laughs) I mean did we not see it is it between Y0 and this game is is there all the stuff that he's done to earn respect and trust you're making me smile and I don't know if you can tell if I'm smiling (laughs) because this was exactly the question that I had They both started with the same deck of cards, yet why is it that Kiryu gets more admiration Mm -hmm. and everything when Nishiki stayed in the Yakuza? So that's exactly why I'm thinking the same thing as you, is what really has he done besides having Kazama's favoritism? Yeah, (laughs) Kiryu can kill the patriarch and is forgiven. (laughs) And and that that makes me kind of angry, is that I really do think that the only thing he did right was Kazama deciding to choose him. So moving on, Nishiki has a line that says, I don't want to lose to you, Kiryu. And I believe that this is in regards to getting the 10 billion, becoming the chairman, and getting Yumi. And it's kind of like what we were saying. So many people have compared Nishiki to Kiryu, and not even compared him, but been like, oh, him? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this guy's here too, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I just don't blame him for feeling this mm-hmm. way at all. Mm-hmm. Is it right? No. But if you treat people better, maybe they don't turn out like this. This is when he mentions, like you said, that he's in love with Yumi, but she never gave him a second glance. 
And then that after the, the incident, the Dojima incident, it felt like a big piece of his life was taken away from him, which is fair. He lost two of the most important people in his life. And then he continues to say that after this happened, that he'd sacrifice everything to change the fates. When you talk about all the losses and everything, I can't help but draw parallels to what Makoto, what, what she has gone through. Except the thing is, Nishiki went through it, everything with eyes wide open. He's just suffering blow after blow, and he's trying to make something out of it, and even though it's mm-hmm. the wrong decision. Yeah, he is suffering, and unlike Makoto, he doesn't have a Lee or a Majima. And I think this is why he says for the first time, I will control my fate. And this is not the first time that we've that we've talked about trying to control fate. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, can you control fate? I think you can try. Well, that's exactly what Nishiki's doing. If anything, I actually thought that he took the reins and tried to make himself something. Like the moment after he kills the guy and just slicks back his hair with the guy's blood and everything. So cool. If anything, <laughs> I know. I know how that's how you feel. Um <laughs> Yeah, we should bottle fake blood, and we should sell it as Nishiki's hair gel. Oh my god, Leon! <laughs> but no, I think that Nishiki is just—he's changing his fate, and exactly what Yumi is telling him that he should be doing. He shouldn't run away and change his fate, but that's exactly what he's doing. So I—I I don't know. I'm just going in a loop right now. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's over. read the line. Nishi mm-hmm. says that he's going to control his own fate, take over the Tojo clan, take Yumi. And then she says, first of all, she starts it out with, don't you get it? <laughs> Which irks yeah. me. And then continues to say, what, what good will that do? Changing your fate that way won't make you happy. And I agree. I think she completely misses the mark. Like, she has more to say, but mm-hmm. before we get there, she completely misses the mark. The point is... He's already lost everything mm-hmm. that makes him happy. Mm-hmm. What is he running? He has nothing left to run away exactly. from. It's, it's one of those positions where if you haven't suffered, you don't really know what the suffering is going through. She's not the one who lost his sister to cancer and betrayed everyone he did to help his sister. She's not the one who lost the best friend. So I also feel like she has no ground to stay when she's saying that. Don't be going at him saying that, oh, you you made the wrong choices and everything. I, For that reason, I'm kind of mad at Yumi for, for doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Kiryu even understands the level of hurt that Nishiki has been through. I don't think he does either. I really don't. And then <laughs> to make things worse, Yumi's next quote is, you're just running from things you don't want to face. What exactly is that? Because in my opinion, he's literally faced things head on by uh, taking shots at Cosima, showing up right now, mm-hmm. involving himself in this whole 10 billion conspiracy. I mean, what is he what is he running from? Just her and Kiryu being being in love and Pornishki's the third point in the triangle. I don't understand how she can even blame him like do you want him to hang out around you? And do you want him to turn into an ugly green monster full of jealousy and everything? And I almost feel like she's judging Nishiki as if he was Jingu. And I don't think it's fair. 
Nishiki had to crawl his way through hell and up and yeah. yet you still compare it as if they're both the same men and accusing them of running away from problems. Right. And Yumi, let's not forget, Nishiki is the one who shot the man trying to rape you, so have some have some respect right? for what he's saved you from. Yeah. Yumi continues to say, if you really want to change your fate, doesn't that mean you have to stay and accept the suffering? Uh, what has this, he been doing for the last this, 10 years? Well, yes, thank you. I was like, this woman. <laughs> yeah. I know you had amnesia. Yeah. But he didn't. He's been dealing with this mm-hmm. suffering for 10 straight years and trying to make the best of it. And like you said, putting that energy into into rising in the Toja clan because he lost he had nothing else. Well, what have you done? You abandoned your <laughs> daughter. You blacked out your memory so you weren't even able to help and everything and you lived a blissful life. And you had money. You had Kazama and Sarah supporting you every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And now you also have Kiryu, the man you love and everything. You also had Reina's support when you worked there. And you had yeah. people buying you fake IDs and everything. And building you a bar at the top of a sky right? rise. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, Cosma could have helped pay for uh, his, uh, was it Akami, for her surgery. Mm-hmm. Where was that money when Nishiki needed it, Cosma? Right. And then to finish it out, she tells him, don't run away. Face it. Like Kazuma, Kazuma, Kiryu, and Haruka. What? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? What's Haruka facing? Her mother abandoning her? <laughs> Is that fair to say? I don't know. First of all, I want Arian to leave Haruka out of this because yes. she hasn't taken action. She's responded to actions. Besides running mm-hmm. away to protect people, she really hasn't gotten herself into trouble. If anything, it's all these adults causing trouble for her. Yeah. So leave her alone first. But also, like, I think the other question is, what does Yumi want for Nishiki? Like, I I hate saying this and I make her sound terrible, but I feel like she's just judging everyone off of Kiryu's standards where it's impossible because Kiryu can do no wrong in her eyes. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I think to break apart what you said a little bit, first point, yeah, what does she want from him to to come back and be friends with them. Like, you can't ask someone to do that. So then what does he have if he needs to remove himself from that situation to not be constantly tortured and in pain? He's got nothing else on the other side. So, like, what are you asking him to do? But anyway, I don't think we blame Nishiki when he stands up and yells, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And then follows it with, why can't you acknowledge what I've achieved? She pushed his buttons. She was the final straw to get Nishiki mm-hmm. to admit, to sort of, in a way, like, ask for help. But it's too late at this point. I think this is him backing up everything we've said, which is, why is he always the bad guy? Why is he always second? Why is everything that he has done not important? I I feel exactly how you feel, and I think you said it really well. He just, seeing him and knowing Everything he's gone through in, in YCO, how one moment you can be at the top of the world and the next is just everything slipped around. It hurts me because for those that played Kiwami before YCO was released, they'll never understand the amount of pain and the downfall and everything he loses and everything. Like we've seen Nishiki be so boyishly cheerful at the beginning of YCO and you end it through here where it's just 
there's just so much pain and hurt in in him. Um, yeah. And I and I'm so glad we watched YCL first to establish the backstory to it, even though it hurts me worse. <laughs> well, that's why it's good though. That's how you know that they did mm-hmm. a good job. I'm sorry, I started laughing because I was making sure that there was no other important quotes right here. Mm-hmm. And after Nish, so she like scolds him, lectures him, and then he mm-hmm. says, "Shut up! Why can't you acknowledge what I've achieved?" And just those two lines causes her to break down into tears and collapse to the floor. <laughs> after what she just fed to him they can't agree no one can agree and so nishki and kiryu decide it's time to settle things once and for all this is not really a parallel but sort of an opposite to the y0 fight when they fought together Mm -hmm. so in the first game in y0 when nishki decides screw the consequences i'm all in i'm on kiryu's side they fight together their tattoos are just the lines at this point now they're fighting each other and their tattoos are filled in. They're complete. What do you think the filled in means? Like the symbolism behind filling in a tattoo. I'm going to answer that opposite. Okay. <laughs> the lining, having just the line, the line work done. I think that, I mean, we talked about it. It's symbolic of not being complete. Their legends aren't complete. Their their character arcs aren't complete. They're still inexperienced. They're still finding their way. Having them filled in is sort of the, okay, this is the end of their story. Their tattoos are complete. The koi has become the dragon, and there can only be one dragon, as Shibusawa said at the end of Y0. And so I think it's sort of the the loss of the innocence, the loss of the hope, the loss of this is what we can turn the Yakuza into with you and me together. That's over, and that was never going to happen. I'm thinking really similar, but at the same time, kind of opposite. Because I think it's complete, but the colors are representing of the experience that they had going through everything. The way it's filled in and everything just shows a different kind of life experience that they had. That maybe in all of the filled in, like some of the red and the orange represents the pain and the bloodshed that... Nishiki had to go through versus maybe some yes. of Kiryu, his colors are like a happy and a, a lucky kind of thing. I think you're you're pretty much spot on. And this is a, maybe another reason why Nishiki has the koi and Kiryu has the dragon. If we go back to the, the symbolism of their tattoos, Nishiki had to swim up the river and endure these challenges to become the dragon. Kiryu was born as the dragon. Probably arguably because of Kazuma. And I think that's the heart of the issue between them is one of them from the start was the dragon and one of them had to earn it, but the one who earned it still didn't get recognized for having earned it. I love that. I, that's really good, Leah. You said that so well. You got me there. (laughs) Yeah. You, you really said that very, very well. And the symbolism is undeniably true. Kiryu might not even realize that he was always born six steps in front of Nishiki. And when you see them, you can't say that they started on the same. It's the it's the equity piece of everything. And even the, in the end, he wasn't recognized for the transition of him becoming powerful and everything, which kind of, kind of goes back to Nishiki's point about, can't you recognize what I've done and all what I've earned? And why wouldn't you have that question when you've suffered so much to mm-hmm. get to where you are? Mm-hmm. Even if some of it was questionable. I mean, mm-hmm. you still have a choice, but 
No one, no one tried to stop him. And when Nishiki needed him, he wasn't there. Yeah, well, let's talk about why Kiryu wasn't there. Was it just to find Yumi? And it's because Cosmo told him, find Yumi, figure out the 10 billion. He set him on this path, which, by the way, he knew where they were the whole time. Freaking Kazuma, why did he have to do this? I just realized that when he gets shot, does he not say, find Yumi in the 10 billion? Why didn't he and just then tell every the truth and everything? Or why doesn't he right. tell Shinji and Shinji tell him? This is why I hate Kazuma. Because he, instead of telling Kiryu right then, oh, yeah, go to Aris, uh, you can get there by doing this. Yumi's there, that's where the 10 billion is. Oh, and by the way, Jingu is Haruka's father, this girl. And he was laundering the money, which is why I stole it with Sarah and Yumi. Instead, he says, go find it. Like, he doesn't know where it is. And puts Kiryu through all of this. Leah, you just, you broke me. I think, going back to last week's episode, Kazama is a mother... He's a mother... It's no I, longer I, a hint of... of it's, it's a heaping load. <laughs> that realization, I just... Yeah. It's not Kazama's fault, but Kazama got the ball rolling that he could have evened out the playing fields, but he didn't do that for Nishiki. And he mm-hmm. just played mind games. And, and I, I think it took me a moment... For me to get there, but I'm here. I'm I'm with you. With he's the mother. I'm starting to simmer and and getting angry yeah. at the way he's treating. Cause I just feel Nishiki's hurt to a different level. Oh, what? I just sorry. I just had a crazy theory because the reason we got here is because I was thinking, why wasn't Kiryu so focused on Nishiki? He was focused on finding the ten billion and on finding Yumi, uh-huh. which Cosmo told him to do, even though he knew what was going on the whole time. He could have told to uh-huh. the truth. So did he send Kiryu on this goose chase so that he could not focus on Nishiki because he knows Kiryu's loyal to me, he'll listen to me, and this distracts him from helping Nishiki, and what does Kazuma have to gain from from allowing Nishiki con- to continue on this destructive path? He gets revenge on Nishiki for betraying the Kazuma family and weakening it. Oh. There is motive for him to not want Kiryu to help Nishiki. Oh. I think you're right. Let me, <laughs> let me noodle on that. I think I've said it before. Nishiki and Kiryu are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And this coin is in Kazuma's hand. Even if he's not intentionally doing it, I think he's realizing, like, oh, Kiryu's the one who is more trusting, more moldable. Nishiki's a little more up in the air. He almost has them controlling each other, but he's controlling both of them and using them to control each other. Because here's the thing. They both are dragons. They both are powerful. And if anything, Nishiki probably is would have been the more powerful one. Which he does kind of prove that. Um, mm-hmm. And he had what it takes to become the top guy. And maybe Kazuma was just acting out of fear. That he knew Nishiki's going to be one day powerful enough. And mm-hmm. Kazuma knew that he couldn't get behind that. So he decides to make it hard for Nishiki. And make it good for Kiryu, who he can control. He wants his legacy to continue, and Kiryu is the best way to do that. Okay, and we need to move on. We spent like 30 minutes on this. (laughs) I know. I will say that during the the fight between Nishiki and Kiryu, we get a lot of bromance flashback scenes, and all the Mm -hmm. promises that they made to each other and to themselves. And in a way, I feel like they've broken every single one of them. The cinematography, the feelings behind this, it's just so well put together so well directed i feel like this is stuff that even some movies can't even achieve this level of emotion and 
It's just that's so why video well done. games just just hit me different because you play as these characters, you just get more attached. You you just do. It's not the same mm-hmm. as watching them. You're controlling mm-hmm. them, and so yeah, it hits different. And I agree, it fuels to their fight because I think they both realize, like what you were saying, is it's all been lost. After beating Nishiki, Yumi and Kiryu have another uh, reunion while Nishiki's just on the floor. Yumi tells Kiryu that she couldn't forget him. Even when she had amnesia, she had flashes of him and opens the pendant to reveal a picture of Kiryu. Is this not just a little bit creepy? What pisses me off is that this pendant with Kiryu's face in it is what puts Haruka at so much risk. Like, (laughs) like, you're right. Woman, like, you're putting your daughter through all this and she can't even defend herself. Like, Look at her. She's just like a little deer and everything. Like, she isn't going to be able to fight people off. And you put her in so much danger because of a stupid pendant holding a photo of some random dude to her. Oh, sorry. There's one more thing to, to just be sad about for Nishiki when she says that she could never forget Kiryu. I guess she forgot Nishiki, though. <laughs> the man who literally killed for her. Right. <laughs> it's just. I just. Ugh. I was so angry watching this scene. I know. She started out so cool. Yumi then uses the pendant to open the vault containing the missing 10 billion, but she wants to destroy it and plants the bomb, at which point Kiryu gets shot in the leg by a recovered Jingu, and then he takes another shot, and we think Haruka is going to get hit because she jumps in front of Kiryu. But then it turns out uh, Yumi jumps in front of Haruka, and she takes the bullet to the stomach. And my question is just how many times can someone take a bullet for someone else in one game? Too much. That's what it is. We literally just saw a Russian doll of trying to take a bullet for somebody. <laughs> what is going on here? And if had Kiryu actually done what Nishiki can do, which is to kill Jingu and put a bullet through his head, which you said you would like him to put a bullet through the oh, mole. Oh, that mole is just asking for it. <laughs> it's just asking. He's asking to be shot right there. It looks like no a offense to wound. anyone with moles, beauty marks. They look good on people who are nice. But if you're a <laughs> everything about you just starts to look worse. That's just how it works. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for Jingu, Nishiki has regained consciousness and stabs him quite angrily and forcefully, pushing them both into the vault. At which point, Jingu's gun goes off during the struggle and Nishiki has been hit. I'm mad that Nishiki didn't push the gun away like... You know he has a gun, but at the same time, I think deep down, Nishiki wanted to die. I think he knew he wasn't going to make it out alive. So I was going to talk a little bit about this after, but I think okay. that this is this is a good time to talk about it. So we've been talking about people taking bullets for each other, and we've never seen anyone take a bullet for Nishiki. But what does he do right here? He saves Kiryu. He saves Haruka. He, he kills Jingu. Is it out of not wanting to lose to Jingu? Sure, you could make that argument, but I think based off of what he'll say next, the answer is no. I think he does it in at least some part of him out of protecting Kiryu because he points his gun at the the bomb and says, responsibility is mine, so let me do this. And I know you have something to say about this line because this is the overarching theme in yakuza zero that we beat to death god (laughs) and it's it's back 
why does Nishi feel like he needs to redeem himself? Is this as a result of everything that happened? Like, is this the fate of, of what was supposed to happen to Nishiki full circle? And then the other th- thoughts that I had going through my mind is that why does Nishiki need to feel responsible and who has made him feel like he needs to take responsibility? I feel like it's just so unfair. At the same time, I feel like if Nishiki didn't end it this way, what does he have mm-hmm. left if he stayed behind? So I don't know if I answered your question, but... I don't know, but let me just go into how I see this moment. Number one, for the responsibility theme. We know this is big for for these characters being in the Yakuza. Responsibility is is key. They they harped on that theme hard in Y-Zero. And it's interesting that just now it's returning. I find that very interesting because we don't... I don't know if we hear the word (laughs) responsibility at all Mm -hmm. until this moment. He says responsibility is mine. And that leads me to believe that he he has guilt. He sees Yumi dead and sees that he played a part in events that caused this to happen. I think that maybe even the fight with Kiryu sort of knocked something loose, so to speak. I think old Nishiki's back. I think he feels guilt for the betrayals. And I think he is essentially erasing what he's done. Do you think Nishiki's responsibility is to protect Kiryu and to be that shell that takes all the impact constantly and leaves Kiryu good and shiny? Uh, yes and no. I think the, the responsibility is undo what I've done. Responsibility is the Yakuza word, but I think a better word is redemption. I think that this is, is Nishiki's redemption. I think that he mm-hmm. is old Nishiki again. This is him paying back for what he's done. This is what, in his mind, all he can do to repay Kiryu for what he did. Well, Kiryu begs him, don't do it, but it's too late. Nishiki has his mind set, and we cut to outside where we see a massive explosion, and the 10 billion rains down onto the streets. Kind of poetic, it's going to the to the citizens that it was probably stolen from extorted from <laughs> laundered Which, from again kind of goes back to when yumi originally wanted to set it all off and everything why couldn't mm-hmm. she have just donated it there's so mm-hmm. many good things you could do you can use it to feed the homeless and everything i don't know if the homeless population was massive back then <laughs> you don't even know what you're saying but there's a funny tie to what you just said um. <laughs> what was she thinking of setting a bomb in there without any kind of like a like a bomb proof firewall or whatever and why would Nishiki yeah. think that everyone's gonna survive like he's just a few feet away from Kiryu if you're gonna die and there's an explosion I'm pretty sure you're gonna kill off your brother who you're trying to redeem unless Yumi was bluffing when she said if you shoot me the 10 billion goes up and the bomb is really just a lot smaller than that and the blast wouldn't have reached mm-hmm. that far or if in the, the scene that we don't see where he actually fires a shot, but we have the outside view, maybe he closed the vault door? I don't know. But the, the question remains, how? <laughs> yeah. How did, how did they not get hurt? And how is Kiryu <laughs> not suffer from third degree burns when he literally has no shirt on? They're definitely going to have some internal bleeding from the, the shock wave. Poor Haruka, she's going to get cancer. <laughs> but that's not the only reason to say poor Haruka, because Anumi's deathbed... She pretty much ignores Haruka. I mean, she mm-hmm. says, you're my real treasure. 99% of the time was yeah. to Kiryu and talking yeah. to him. <laughs> pretty one-sided, in my opinion. Yeah. 
I think that's time for a so long for Yumi. Mm, I here's where I'm struggling with it. With Yumi, like I thought she was cool and she had her moments. She could have reached out to Kirio instead of making him run around the entire city and everything. I I don't think she's a mother respecter, but I don't think she is also a mother. I think you're right. I think she's, if we have to put her in one of the categories, I'd say like a tone deaf mother mm-hmm. respecter. Yeah. She doesn't have a whole lot of, she doesn't know how to read the room. I don't really know if we have enough uh, information on her to make a sound mm-hmm. judgment I think she makes a lot of mistakes, and she does some good things. Yeah. I think, if anything, it's just very, very low-tier mother respecter. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to do a so long for Nishiki, Kathy. It pains That's, me to say it. It hurts me. I feel like my I, I'm i too biased to, to give a good one. Like, mm-hmm. the love I had for him in Y0, and I know... The pain is what really drives his action. Not saying that his actions are correct, but I just feel so much for him and I just want to give him a massive hug. And I think in the end, he redeemed himself. And he's just misunderstood after you net everything together. I think he's a mother respecter. For me, I think if he hadn't done, and I guess it's up to interpretation, but I think we both are pretty square Mm -hmm. And that this was him accepting responsibility. I mean, he already Mm -hmm. said that and sort of trying to redeem himself. If he hadn't done that, you would have to put him in the mother category begrudgingly. But comparing him, I think it was an Oda's so long segment. We we can kind of compare them because both of them sort of betrayed their sworn brother. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the arguments I made for Oda being a mother, which wasn't much of an argument, but is he did nothing to to redeem himself. Whereas Nishiki does. And so for that reason, I think, though they're similar situations, Nishiki does enough to end up in the mother respecter category. I I agree. I think you're right. When you net everything, he does earn it. I do want to backpedal real quick. So for mm-hmm. Yumi, I think one thing that might take her a step above the neutral category is that she died because she took the bullet for her daughter, even though her daughter stepped in front of Kiryu. So it's like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so she kind of did take the bullet for Kiryu, but it's really more so Haruka. But I mean, I feel like that takes it a step above neutral. Yeah, and Nishiki's probably several steps above that. I agree. Because she was kind of forced to take that bullet in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nishiki got up mm-hmm. and said, the responsibility's mine. Like he, that's, that's kind of an apology, in my it opinion. It wasn't even an instinct. It was a conscious decision to step mm-hmm. up and to take action to right his wrongs. He almost reminds me a bit of... who's What's the pervert's name? The guy who asks for consent, but is a pervert? Nishitani. Nishitani, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and in terms of the way... In terms of redeeming for, for the brother, like, despite all the crazy stuff he causes Majima, he does, in the end, try to protect Majima... Nishiki's in the same way, like, despite all the troubles that his ripple effect has on everyone, he does try to right some wrongs. And I think that the act of being able to do that, especially after 10 years of not doing that, I think he took enough steps to to account for the things that he did that were not good and would mm-hmm. have landed him in the mother category. Talk about mothers. Did we already say about Jingu? No. 
Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, mother. <laughs> mother uh, multiple, multiple mother because he tried to kill his baby mama and daughter multiple times. Can't even say anything positive about this man. He's making me think that we need to have in our season wrap-up episode uh, an ultimate mother mm. who is the biggest mother because uh, <laughs> I think until now it's kind of been Oda. All right, well, so, uh, so long. Mm-hmm. Mother neutral respecter. Mother respecter and mother. The trifecta, we got them all. One of each. After all of this <laughs> happened, Date and Sudo and the PD arrive, and Date is able to pull Kiryu out of his despair to see that Haruka needs him. And so he and Sudo are able to prevent Kiryu from being arrested. And then sometime later, Kiryu's being chased out of Tojo HQ. Turns out that he was inducted as chairman and then immediately retired. And we see who Kiryu has selected as the fifth chairman. So the guy Kiryu chooses to be the fifth chairman is Tarada. Do you think that Tarada was the right pick? I'm going to say yes. Number one reason being, I don't know who else you would pick. Kashiwagi. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, Kash- it should have been Kashiwagi, maybe. I think Tarada is a good choice just because he's got a good hatred, probably, for the Omi by now mm-hmm. and for the MIA. Mm-hmm. So you can trust him to not make deals with them. But I do agree. I think Kashiwagi is like Nishiki if Nishiki never went bad. I feel like Kashiwagi mm-hmm. doesn't get a lot of the, the credit and the respect he deserves. Mm-hmm. He's saved their skin two games in a row now. What motivates Kiryu to leave the Yakuza? Um, I think Haruka. Well, he could bring Haruka in the fold. <laughs> yeah, but I think he just realizes it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's really my only thought, or just that all the memories are too painful. My thought would be that he has nothing to give to them. I don't think his drive is to rule. I think mm-hmm. his drive in life is to just be in the background and supporting character, even though he gets looped into all these different issues and everything. Oh, I was going to say, like, like, you raised a good question because at the end of Yakuza 0, Kiryu's like, I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to be my kind of Yakuza. And now he's just running away from the Yakuza. (laughs) Ironic, because Yumi would not approve. I know. I was kind of surprised that we don't get a a Majima kind of shout out or like peekaboo from him. I thought this would have been a great place to to loop it back in Majima standing behind the fences or behind the mob <laughs> of people leaning against the fence. We want more Majima. We mm-hmm. want more. For all we know, he's still in the basement of the <laughs> Shangri-La or whatever. Yeah. All right. So after the credits, Date tells Kiryu that he's going to live with his daughter. Kiryu and Haruka are going to start their, their little life, but not with the dog. Haruka doesn't want the dog. What if the dog doesn't have a mom like her? I know. Poor dog. I will say that the feelings I have to this... I really struggled. I was really emotionally stunned. I felt like too much, too short time. Not necessarily in a good way. At least like better than Heavy Rain ending. Like not frustrated. The death of one of my favorite characters, Nishiki, really did make me feel like that. I don't know. I just... What was mm-hmm. your feelings and reactions at the end of Yakuza Kiwami? I really like it, but you know I like sad things. 
I think it takes for for writers to write this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It takes an understanding of you know of this kind of situation of betrayal of regret. That's why I like these kind of endings because you know like it's real. I guess it's more realistic in most cases, and I appreciate that. But I like this ending because obviously I don't like that Nishiki dies. I I absolutely do love his character. I think he's a great good guy and he's a great bad guy. He does both very well. But I like it because it gives you enough questions of like who is Nishiki to kind of like form your own opinion. I do like the ending, but how it felt when it ended was sad, but a little bit happy or relieved to believe that Nishiki did come back around and redeem himself and be the old Nishiki and not the villain Nishiki. I felt the relief that Nishiki felt when he was finally mm-hmm. able to redeem and we get the glimpse of why Zero Nishiki and I felt like that is not a feel-good moment. It's a feel-good conclusion for his character arc of how it landed in the full mm-hmm. full circle moment. I'm I'm trying to figure out why I feel a bit empty. Like there's there's something missing and I don't know what exactly it is. Well, I think maybe empty is a good word and maybe you're supposed to feel empty because I think that's kind of how Kiryu's feeling and I think that's evident when Date has to remind him, like, you still have Haruka because mm-hmm. he lost Yumi and he lost Nishiki and he lost Kazuma. He's lost these three core people. He probably feels pretty empty. So maybe it's by design that you feel that way. Is that it? We've been recording for over two hours. I need to go to the bathroom. I know, right? Didn't I call it to you at the beginning? It's like it's going to take us to midnight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Audacity on one, three, two, one. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to send in any questions, comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com, or contact us directly through our site. Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode. We also have a Reddit where we discuss anything we're curious about. Go take a look and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out and we'll be back next week with the summary episode.